0: Welcome to the More Than Fitness podcast. Perfect. I saw, uh, this is, this is going to be a random start. I saw in your stories, you just got your hair done. So that's exciting.
1: Hello. Yes. (laughs) I actually, it didn't, I didn't get it done. I literally got it washed. (laughs) So this is where, yeah. So the whole like, yeah, it's been nine days since I've washed my hair. It's like I, this whole week has just been nuts. I don't know what you like, but going out of town on the weekends and I was gone the last two weekends in a row and the weekend before that had a friend move. So I feel like it's just been like wild Monday through Friday every week. So every day I'm just like, Hey, when I shower, I'm going to wash my hair. Don't have time when I shower, I'm going to wash my hair. Nope. Can't do it today. And eventually Sam was like, why don't you just have go to one of those like dry bar places and I like, have them do it yourself to have it do it for, for you. And, and I was like, that is a genius idea. So it's exactly
0: what I did. <laughs> good idea, Sam. Yeah, good. Yes, no,
1: exactly. That,
0: that's great. I have the same struggles. Don't worry. This is a, right. Yeah. It's, you, you couldn't tell if I've showered in nine days or 90 days or nine hours. You just have no idea. So that's that's Beautiful the uh, the secretive of the, the, the buzz cut. Um, yeah. <laughs>
1: Maybe I should <laughs> jump on that.
0: <laughs> you know what? I, I think Sam would be on board with that. Don't ask him or anything. Just do it and then see do what it. happens. Yeah. Like, I, I was think...
1: just so sick of having to wash it. So
0: <laughs> that's what
1: <laughs> That's
0: one solution, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um, but Casey, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for for, for coming on. I've had Sam on before. So for, for people who don't know. So is it, he boyfriend? Is that the title? Boyfriend.
1: Yeah, boyfriend is the title. There we go.
0: I, I'm so sorry. You're so brave.
1: Uh <laughs> <laughs> boyfriend, a roommate. Yep. Dog there go. Co-dog parent.
0: <laughs> right. yeah that's perfect. Um, but yeah, no, Sam's been on before. Sam is a friend. Uh, and then I, I found I found you through him. And I, I really liked the the type of content you put out. And then of course, you know, you've got the brains to to go along with it. Uh you've just got you've got every, the the full package. I just kind of had on uh Dr. Amelia Thompson. I don't know if you you know her or not. Familiar. Not familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, but so she she's kind of the 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 similar route with the 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 mindset stuff. But then because you guys are both uh, very evidence based and and very into the science field, and then getting people results with with fat loss and, and gaining muscle. Mm, I have to um, look her up. Yeah, but also awesome. but also more of the uh, kind of the the compassionate type of dieting, and then making mm-hmm. sure that you're also uh, um, not just not just putting yourself in a worse spot mentally uh, than than before you started a diet or something like that but a lot of the stuff that you said really resonated me, with me on your your Instagram and then I listened to a few podcasts and things so awesome. long story short I like your work and thank you for coming on
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely I love having these chats they're, they're my favorite so thank you for having me here
0: yeah absolutely absolutely so where where are you guys based out of right now
1: We're in Raleigh North Carolina I've actually been living in this place for over five years at this point so okay yeah, been here and
0: where, a while. where uh where were you born and raised
1: in rochester minnesota actually so i am from the very cold north and then came down to north carolina after i finished my undergrad at the university of minnesota um came down here to do my phd at nc state so i've been here since getting my phd and just kind of like stayed because i liked it so
0: Oh, good no I, I i love north carolina south carolina being from kentucky uh south carolina myrtle beach is obviously the big uh vacation spot so so I've been down those ways quite a few times um
1: awesome. yeah that's nice.
0: but but why uh so so I, I think if i heard correctly so you you went down there for your your phd was there any reason why you chose north carolina or the, just the program in general
1: yeah yeah i mean definitely liked north carolina because um if you're not familiar with PhD programs and how it works, it's essentially like a job interview process to get into a program. So you apply and then you go somewhere, you have like oftentimes like 48 hours of like essentially like interview time. A lot of times you're staying with grad students, you have to be on for like two days straight. But so I came down for that, really liked the area, like noticed there were so many trees, it was so beautiful. And the fact that everyone was apologizing about the weather when it was like 50 degrees in February, I was like, Dude, it was negative 11 when I got on the plane. This is awesome. <laughs> I'm here for it. Um, so, really like that. Um, connected a lot with the faculty members that I interviewed with. Um, the program itself is applied social and community psychology. So, it's not like a health psychology program. That's kind of the route that I did end up going. Um, but my advisor specifically was in social psychology and she focused on mindset and. The work she was recently doing was in obesity specifically so looking at how your mindset might play a role in your healthy eating behaviors your um, exercise behaviors things of that nature so i knew i wanted to do something in the realm of health and fitness with psychology and behavior change but it was essentially that was it in which it can go a lot of different directions right i wasn't necessarily looking to um dive into the world of grilled versus fixed mindset that wasn't my goal it was more so like hey whoever seems like a good fit for me. And I seem like a good fit for them. And they're doing some sort of behavior change work in health and fitness. Like, that sounds good to me. So did that I mean, I interviewed a a handful of other schools, um, Colorado State, Idaho State, uh, a few others, but Um, so ultimately it was like, Hey, location is awesome. Loved um, my potential advisor, Loved the work that she was doing. And they really did kind of like pine after me too. I got a really solid like fellowship for my first year. So it all just kind of like star sort of aligned for that program specifically. So that's kind of why I decided on it. And then I learned a lot more about mindset and really fell in love with how powerful it is seeing how it shows up in so many different domains, health and fitness included. So my general like track was, mindset, but in health and fitness behaviors is basically what I studied for my entire PhD.
0: Mm, I love it. I love it. And yeah, I definitely want to dive a little bit more into that, the the nitty gritty type stuff, but I'm always... Curious as well, uh, where was what's kind of the origin story behind why, like, why this for your PhD? Why did this was it from your own uh personal background, personal story experiences, things like that? Was it things that you were seeing just in society and you're like, this is a void I need to fill? Kind of what was the, the origin story there?
1: You know, a little bit of both, really. Um, I actually started off, so I got my degrees in. Sociology and psychology from the University of Minnesota. I also have a minor. I don't know, do people even count minors anymore in public health? It sounds good. I sort of like, yeah, right, my health add on there. Um, I was not super into health and fitness. Like starting freshman year, I was super into like drinking heavily and partying, like a lot of people were. Um, Like, honestly, like through high school until early college years. So that ended quickly. I don't do much of that anymore. I kind of burnt myself off (laughs) out um, early on there. But anyway, so I played volleyball. We're going way back here, but I played volleyball throughout high school, um, varsity volleyball. And that pretty much is what kept me in shape. We never went into the weight room, which I still now looking back, I'm like, why did we not do that? You don't think like squatting is going to help our vertical? Like what in the world? But I think it's just a lot of like misconceptions around like what um like athletes really need especially like female athletes so it's kind of a bummer but um eventually sort of decided like hey if i need to like i don't want to pack on like the freshman 15 whatever like i need to start exercising on my own um found bodybuilding.com which most people did as one Um, does yeah yep exactly fell in love with the likes of jamie eason and amanda latona all those like beautiful strength athletes um and started just to kind of like Rouse and get into this like entire world that I didn't know existed started to follow some programs essentially teach myself everything at this point all of my friends were still like had partiers and like didn't care about any of this didn't really want to work out so I definitely quickly became like the black sheep as I started to really learn to love this stuff and find that a lot of confidence came along with it too and a lot of like dedication and showing up for myself and things of that nature all because I was diving into strength training and nutrition for myself and to feel better. And then, yeah, you know how that works. It kind of leads into everything else too, which is part of the reason I love it so much. Yeah. Yeah. But
0: it's insane that that has to happen in the first place that you actually, you know, can, can lose friends from bettering yourselves, but it's probably, uh, of course, for, for the better in the first place. So
1: definitely, definitely. So, um, found, kind of found strength training for myself and found nutrition and how much it was like, really honestly changing my life in so many ways. And so that kind of brought up the question of like, okay, if this is going so well for me, why do not more people do it? You know, why do we have this like obesity epidemic on our hands? Like why do all of these people know they should exercise and eat healthy and nobody's freaking doing it. Like it's not a knowledge problem at this point, there's something else going on, um, likely a psychological problem. So, um, that's, I was still working towards my degrees at this point. Maybe we're in like junior, senior year. I'm pretty dedicated to this stuff. Um, Finding myself being sort of like the outlier, looking into like, okay, where can I actually take this? Um, So I did decide thinking, okay, this is my parents in my ear too. Like you can't do anything with an undergrad degree in psychology. So you have to go to graduate school or you have to go to medical school or something like that. I knew I didn't want to be a psychiatrist. Um, So Grad school, it was. And I just started poking around at programs. Um, Also knew I've always been sort of just a very much like if I'm going to do it, like I'm going to go all the way type of person. So it wasn't like I'm not going to just get a master's degree. Like if I'm going to do this, let's go all the way. Let's be the expert. Let's get a PhD. So there are a good amount. If you know that, that early on, there's a good amount of programs that are like terminal degrees. You can go straight through to your PhD from undergrad. So those are the ones that I was applying to.
0: Looking back, did you uh, were you aware of the? You said you got you get like obsessive and you're you're all in. Do, did you have any idea of the workload that was kind of ahead of you? Where you, did you talk to other PhDs and things? Were you like, do I really want to jump in this this deep end right here? And then maybe you found out, and then you're like, yeah, I think I do want to take on the the challenge.
1: Yeah, there was a little bit of that. And what is nice about like the PhD interview process and things of that nature is that, yeah, a lot of times you're staying with grad students. So they're in the program right now. So you can start to pick their brain about like, hey, how difficult is this? How does it feel? Like, is it worth it type of thing? Especially because I too was thinking I didn't want to stay in academia, I didn't want to be a professor, didn't want to continue to do academic research. But there's a lot of other things you can do in the research world with a PhD that's not just like at a university. So I'd already been thinking that that and so it's kind of like, do I really need a PhD at this point? Like, of course, all that stuff is kind of going through my mind. Um, So yeah, I did definitely pick the brains of grad students. And at that time, it was like, am I going to have time for myself? Am I going to have time to work out? Am I going to have time to like do all these things that I now like love so much? Um, and for the most part, they all said, you know what, like you, people make their priorities happen, like whether that's family or that's yeah, health and fitness or whatever.
0: Right. What about your, your, I love getting into the intricacies of this. Cause I know that how easy it can be to kind of go by some of these details. Cause you've probably said it so many times, but then me like a, a light bulb goes off, but like Did you, cause you said that there's, there's other things that you can do with your PhD and and things like that. But did you have in mind then of like, okay, I'm going to work for myself. I'm going to be my own boss. I'm going to do this online fitness thing. I'm going to have a coaching certification, like how far ahead, like how much of it was just like, I'm going to get my PhD and then hope for the best. And then how much was it like very calculated path forward?
1: Yeah. Yeah. A lot of it at that time was like hope for the best because remember too, at this point, it was like, my parents are kind of like, you need to do this. And I was I was like, I just give me a year to figure out what I want to do first. And they're like, no, you got to do it. Just keep going. So I did. I mean, at this point, yes, I look back and I'm like kind of thankful that they had me do that because I mean, getting a PhD before I even turned 27 is awesome. Like it's done, it's over with, you know? Um, so yeah, no, at that point, what I had essentially thought was like, I don't think I want to be a professor. That's usually the route people go with PhDs. But like I had an open mind, like, hey, maybe I fall in love with academia, I learned like Jenny, my advisor, Dr. Jenny Burnett, maybe I see like her lifestyle. And I'm like, okay, this is actually looks pretty good. And she always like harped on how flexible it was, how you can kind of choose the classes that you teach. And then other than that, you don't even have to be on campus, you can do whatever. So I was like, okay, yeah, I mean, that sounds good. So I kept an open mind with that. In the back of my mind, I always like thought, and I even remember like texting this to a few friends as I was starting my PhD, like, it would be really cool to build something. That was pretty much the extent of my thought process at that point. No idea what that would look like, if that means a business or just like a small coaching team on the side of like whatever else I was doing. But at that point, I was like, yeah, it would be really cool to work for myself and like create something. Um, But at that point, yeah, I was it was already a little bit, um, like taboo to not stay in academia and do research, let's say for like Nike or Weight Watchers or something like that. So that's kind of the direction that I thought I was going to go. And that's already a little bit unconventional now to be self-employed and start your own business as a PhD. It's like, why are you even getting a PhD? Why would you do that? Like, there's like a lot of sort of like backlash backlash in that area. And I'm lucky that the program I was in was an applied science program. So they actually required us to do some sort of like an inter internship, like out in the real world. And it's not just all lab work, whereas other PhD programs, they'll look down on any type of research that's not done in a university setting. So there's a little bit of like weirdness around there. So again, kind of becoming the black sheep <laughs> in that regard. Um, my advisor essentially was like, Hey, if that's the route you want to take, I can't help you because i I've never done that before. So I don't really know, don't have any contacts, anything like that. So I already knew I was like in for it if I wanted to go the non-conventional route of like working for like a corporate sort of situation rather than an academic setting. So no, is, is the short answer that I didn't really have a calculated plan at that point. Um, I was coaching, I'm trying to think back, I got my Precision Nutrition certification in 2015 I believe and I was working with a coach myself and she actually saw that I was like really interested in this stuff and was looking for another coach and was like hey do you are you comfortable are you comfortable with coaching like we need another assistant coach and I was like you know what I could use a couple extra bucks like grad school doesn't pay you very much so um, took up online coaching with her she kind of became my mentor which was awesome I still use a lot of stuff that I learned from her to this day um, and then kind of kind of went from there eventually got to the point where she, was moving to a brick and mortar type of situation. She was in Iowa. I was in North Carolina. So they sort of disbanded. I got picked up by a, um, a small gym in Raleigh and became sort of their head nutrition coach there. So I did a lot of in-person coaching while taking just whoever kind of came across the way uh, in the online space at that point. Um, I mostly did some in-person nutrition coaching at that point. So this was all while I was getting my PhD and was kind of this way, allowing myself to be in the real world and also be in the lab at the same time, which was really cool and important to me. And that's also sort of where my Instagram kind of um, got its footing, I guess, because in my PhD sort of world, I was doing a lot of research and so a lot of it was focused on psychology. Sure, it was still health and fitness, but it was a lot of statistics and like all of this other stuff versus like, my Instagram became like nutrition and training content. So it was nice to have that sort of other piece of me that I could dive into. Um, it's interesting. I actually said this to someone yesterday that I was more consistent on my Instagram throughout my PhD than I am now when it's part of my job. <laughs> and I think it was more so that it was just sort of like the fun thing for me and no pressure versus now I'm like, I have to post every day. What? Whereas before it's like, I was posting every day and I didn't even notice it, you know? So that's, it's interesting how things kind of like shape up that way, but long story short, um, yeah, I didn't really have a calculated plan. It got to the point where I was kind of finishing up my degree and it was like push comes to shove. Like, what are you going to do? You start applying for jobs. Um, I did get a handful of interviews at different places, sort of in corporate America, a couple bigger names, as I mentioned, sort of at the beginning. Um Got sort of the corporate runaround. did the whole like interview process. And they were like, just wait, we're doing some things. Hey, we like you. This is a good fit. But we're like trying to figure out some stuff like structurally people and teams are moving. Six months goes by and I'm like, okay, at this point, I really need a job. <laughs> so I eventually kind of was like sort of stick it to the man and was like, it's a corporate America. Like this is already what I'm experiencing. Like don't want anything to do with that. Um, so I did at that point already have my what sort I- of this-
0: Sorry, sorry, what what age was this at?
1: Um, so I would have been twenty six at this point.
0: Okay, and how old are you now?
1: Twenty-seven, turning twenty-eight in December.
0: Okay, amazing. Hold on, Casey, one sec. I don't even know. David, you can keep this in if you want to. The sun is shining so bright off one of these buildings and I forgot oh to put down God. my blinds. Just
1: blinding you. So,
0: so this is why, like, if I'm squinting really hard, this is this could be really great content. Give me, like, two seconds. I'm going to put this down so I can actually, like, see you real quick yeah. and, then, and then, we yeah. can, then we can continue on. Hold on one yes, second. Sorry absolutely. about that. Sorry about
1: that. <laughs>
0: better. <laughs> this is this is amateur hour over here apparently. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes, no, I I the reason why I was asking age and stuff is because I do like to to give people timelines cuz I think a lot of people that are listening to this are probably around somewhat of a similar mm-hmm. age to this. It could mm-hmm. be anywhere from like 20 to like 45, I think is the typical demographic and things. And so I'm always interested in hearing people the the reason why people did or didn't make certain decisions and and kind of how how they based that that decision off of things because there's probably so many people going through uh, a transition like this for themselves. Uh, totally. So, to to so from there, uh let's see. So you started working with I'm sorry, pick back up right where you you yeah. were. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. No, I was trying to fun. think. Yeah. <laughs>
1: It's a lot of words. Um, Yeah, so it got to the point. So I was um, essentially given that corporate runaround and was waiting for too long. And eventually was just like, you know what? Like, it was a really cool job with a really powerful company, but it's just like, it's not worth this. I also already had these little bit of like feelings of being squeezed already. Like, do I really want to work like a nine to five job and work for someone else? Like, my entire life up to this point has pretty much been independent because it's been school, right? So I essentially just like build my own schedule, show up, yeah, for classes and things like that. But it was like still like pretty much like my gig and like independent research and my PhD. And so now be like, okay, you have to be somewhere for this time to this time. I'm just like, I am really like a work from home gal in general too. So I already had sort of like those reservations, knew I had sort of, I guess this was a plan B at this point, but also was like, do I really want to get a PhD in psychology and be a nutrition coach? Like that felt like maybe that's that's like, okay, was it a failure that I got this PhD in psychology and I'm not even going to like, quote unquote, use it. Um, so at that point, actually, Sam and I had started to date, I think maybe at this point, like five-ish months. And he owns his own company in the health and fitness world. And he essentially told me, he was like, Kisa, you could do this. You could turn this into whatever you want. It could totally use your PhD. It doesn't have to be just one-on-one nutrition coaching. I'd always kind of wanted to do something for coaches since I knew all this stuff about mindset and behavior change and wanted other coaches to be able to see this and utilize it too not just me or if they maybe happen to stumble across one of my published articles, which is not very likely. (laughs) Um, so I was like, okay, I guess there's a lot of different ways I could go with this. But of course, at that point, it's just like it's a lot to think about. And but that little like thought in the back of my mind from years ago of like you wanted to build something. Like yeah. maybe this is your chance. So yeah. At that point too, it was kind of like, okay, I have a PhD. I can go this route. If it kind of goes up in flames, nothing works. I'm making a thousand dollars a year. I can go back and say, Hey, I have a PhD, I can find something
0: yeah. something you, will be out there. You 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 have the leverage with with no matter what route you're going to take because there's always going to be jobs of course like with the PhD but I think that this is something that a lot of people underestimate in the health and fitness field of course like you don't have to have uh, an rd credential to be a registered dietitian or you don't have to have a phd and things like that but it sure shit opens up a lot more opportunities that people wouldn't think of otherwise and typically the people say like oh yeah no you absolutely don't need that degree you don't need this this and this it's like i i actually disagree i think that one it, it does give that Uh, Plan B option like it gives you a safety net no matter what people say like I think mitigating risk is one of the number one qualities of any good entrepreneur in the first place so it's like you already we're, were mitigating your risk with the PhD and then you have it in the field that you're actually going to be teaching and if you wanted to talk with coaches and things it's like you have that PhD leverage to be like hey. I know what the hell I'm talking about. Like you're, you, you, they may have this, the, the other knowledge towards like fat loss or just the actual X's and O's of things. But as far as piecing things together and actually getting people to change, uh, that's, you know, kind of where you can step in.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's a helpful credibility factor <laughs> if yeah. anything too. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. So I but did, um, go
1: ahead.
0: No, I was going to say you just, so you, you basically had to kind of choose, the, the security of that that corporate job or kind of that little voice in the back of your head uh and and kind of take take a chance on yourself. Did yeah. you, oh my did, gosh, you
1: yeah. did you did you <laughs> see talk. it
0: more because I have mixed feelings about it being more of a risk to be an, an entrepreneur. I think in terms of like security or maybe like benefits or something or whatever, sure, maybe in the short term it's it may be more of a risk but long-term happiness, if that's the ultimate North star, it's like, I think the nine to five job is like the, the that's more of a risk in my eyes. There's nothing wrong with a nine to five, but for me personally, my happiness, it was just like, I needed something that I could do on my own. So I don't know if you felt similarly.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. It, it felt like the safe option was the corporate job for sure. 100%. And also going back to, you know, good old mom and dad, they're like, you definitely need to do this. You know, I actually didn't even tell them my decision for a couple months and just was like, yeah, I'm still waiting to hear back because I was so worried. Oh, like Oh, interesting. <laughs> what Please, the backlash do you, do you so. care? To,
0: do you care to talk about that? Like just for a yeah. second, just like what, what was their, uh, what was their response? Cause I could see how my, my parents were hesitant too. Whenever I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to do this online fitness coach thing. Right. So yeah. What, yeah. what, what happened whenever you ended up telling them?
1: Yeah. And my parents too are both very highly educated. My mom's a surgeon, my dad's in pharmaceutical. So they're like, obviously kind of shows you why they want push me in this direction too. But so for me to now like, okay, Hey, I did the thing you wanted me to do, but now I'm going to do something with it that you probably didn't expect. And it's funny because both of me and my younger brother, there's just two of us for as far as siblings go, we both went the entrepreneur entrepreneurship like route which is funny just like given that that was (laughs) how we were raised um so yeah I was definitely like nervous to tell them um but how it sort of ended up and (laughs) just kind of showing the personality of my two parents my dad responded was like sure thing you go girl and I was like okay that was unexpected my mom didn't respond she still has not responded like to that text message to this day (laughs) but she's just yeah see I think eventually she came around and was like Okay, fine, but like what are you doing for health insurance? You know, it's not like good luck, like nothing like that, but that's just definitely like my mom for sure. Um, so eventually told them that and was just kind of like, I mean, at this point, like I'm an adult, like you guys got to let me do what I want to do. Um, and now it was kind of like, okay, how what am I going to do? I have like a smaller roster size because at this point for the last 6 months I wasn't taking new clients because I thought I needed to essentially like off board and move my life over into like whatever my new job was going to be. So I had just sort of kick that back up. Um, I had never truly ever in the, at this point I had had Instagram for, I don't know, seven years. I started in 2011 with it. And now we're talking 2000, um, a couple of years ago yeah. <laughs> at this point. So years and years and years, but I had never once really like formally marketed the fact that I was a coach and that hey here's like an application or anything like that so I had kind of like done the right thing without even realizing it just providing free value for years and now it was like hey guys I have an application form like sign up and like I mean applications just rolled in which I know a lot of those of you who are listening and are like oh I'm a new coach are probably like you fucking bitch but it was just like it was honestly too easy at that point but like moral of the story is like just build that sort of base of free value, like show off, like kind of what you can do. And then when the time comes and you're like, Hey, opportunity to work for me. Like you have a, like a fan base, basically. Um, So started off with that, just kind of like grew my one-on-one roster so I could essentially like cover my bills at this point. Um, And then did start to kind of like think, okay, so programs that when I want to do, like, what do I want my team to look like? Do I want more coaches? Do I want it to just be me? And then I focus on sort of the coaching coaches aspect of things and, here we are. So I have not, oh, maybe like as of honestly, like this week, I've been full time in my business for a year. So it's not really been fully that long yet. Exciting. So, yeah, that is exciting to think about. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, so um, now have the health mindset coaching certification. We're in week nine of 12 right now. And this is the first round. So that's all for coaches. We talk about health behavior change mindset and how they kind of implement this into their coaching practices. So that's been super, super fun. I've loved every second of it so far. Um, we have 116 coaches that will be quote unquote like graduating (laughs) with this, um, cohort, super exciting. Um, have three coaches, um, I hate saying like underneath me or assistant coaches because we're all just like one big team. We get Um, it. So yeah, so there's four coaches total on the KGO coaching team who are all doing one-on-one coaching. Um, And then I have some ideas for like group programs in the future, may or may not write a book. That's always kind of been in the back of my mind. But yeah, so that kind of, I guess, brings you up to speed. It was like a long story short, not short at all. <laughs> no,
0: that's perfect. I think now you can just say, well, you know, take that, Mom. It's just the first <laughs> <laughs>
1: Right. Exactly. <laughs> for, oh, I do listen, love it for, in her
0: face. <laughs> for 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 any, for anybody listening, like that was that was how I that was how I did it, and that's how I'm sure you. It's just you have to produce results. It's like the only they're they're just work. They're just concerned about you. And I, I like to get into the parent talk sometimes because people do have these concerns, and and then parents can be holding people back and things. It's like if you want if you do want to do this, you could take the if you can you can afford it and things you can take the somewhat sneaky route that 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 you did and then just be kind of like okay hey i'm doing this but also i'm making this much a month like i can sustain myself i'm doing this kind of behind the scenes stuff uh while maybe even working another job or something like that but it's just it is possible um and and i just think that's that's super exciting about your your first year how that because that's the question i also like to ask people is like did you have a moment? Because there's always some type a moment, maybe whenever you like calculate your, your your profits and your expenses and then all your money and then your, your monthly expenses and just kind of like, okay, I'm actually now fully supporting myself and everything that I want to do fully from this thing that I wanted to build in the first place. Did you have that type of moment or was it a series of moments or how'd that go?
1: Yeah, I think a little bit, honestly, with the Um, the certification. Because as you probably know, like when you launch a program, like you make a lot of money really fast in a short period of time. And then of course, you have to service the program over a period of time. That's what's interesting about sort of like owning your own business and like running programs like that. um, Versus like, yes, the one on one coaching revenue comes in like monthly basis. So we see this kind of like rolling in throughout the year. So that was never like and I'm very much so like, oh, there's always more. I always want to do more. I want to do something else. So that was like, once I got to like a comfortable place and saw that sort of building, I was like, yeah, this is cool. This is awesome. Um, but I think with the certification and not to like super like gloat or anything like that, thinking it. 116 people paying 1200 to $1,400 within like 10 days, I was like, Holy shit, you know, like I can make this amount of money on my own. And um, the biggest kind of, um, I think, realization with that too was that at one point I looked and was like, okay, thinking about like the numbers. And I do have a business coach too. So she kind of like forces me to like run through some of this stuff. And I was realizing that within the first, like, I think. Uh, five to seven days of enrollment being open for the certification, I already had made double what I would have made in a year at this corporate position.
0: It's so great. Like
1: that was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a second, mom, listen up. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) no, seriously. That was that sort of moment for sure. So I think it's just like, yeah, in no other position can you essentially say like, I'm gonna do this thing and potentially make like that amount of money. So super cool, very eye opening. Was finally like, you know what? Like this is, this could actually, this could actually work. I think I can make this happen. Um, And then of course with like, oh my gosh, coronavirus and all of this stuff going on, see all these stable jobs in corporate America aren't so stable anymore. Meanwhile, like (laughs) my business grew like 500%. So it's like all perspective and it's kind of funny how it all, works out that way.
0: Yeah, for sure. And that's, that was kind of where where I was going, going to go with my next question. So, so clearly the the business did, did super well. What, what about, uh, I, cause I think that's probably where most people's mental angst came from, uh, and, and things like that. Did you have any big struggles at the, at the beginning of coronavirus either? I mean, I guess maybe not with business, uh, but maybe so much with just your, your everyday life and just how, how your, your quote unquote norm was on a day-to-day basis.
1: Yeah. You know, as far as like from the business perspective, I did lose like a few clients of my own. So did my coaches just, I mean, financial reasons, right? Like someone loses their job. Like first thing that's probably going to go is like that coach that you pay on a sure. monthly basis. So we had a couple of that. I had a little bit of like a scare, like, oh my God, are all of my clients going to leave me? And then had to like kind of come back a little bit more level-headed and like realize what reality is and that's not the case um so the business wasn't super affected i think it actually opened up a lot of opportunities to show up for our clients and say like hey we're here for you i did a handful more like phone calls with clients than i normally do um so yeah i think i we did a good job at seeing it more as like uh, an opportunity to show up more um From just like a daily life perspective, to be honest, like with me and Sam, both working from home all the time, there wasn't much of a difference besides the fact that we typically travel at least once a month. So the fact that that was taken away, I truly do not remember the last time I have gone more than two months in a row without traveling somewhere. And to do that then for what ended up being like four or five months was a little bit bizarre. Um, I think beyond that, though, like nothing was super different. To be honest, I took advantage of the time got cranked out that certification, like it actually helped me a lot. I'm now just in the position where it's like, I'm, I'm used to doing some more work on the weekends. And now maybe I should stop doing that. But but I did like before we didn't travel or anything. So it just kind of ended up being a little bit of extra time for projects and things like that. Um, so now kind of getting back into like what the normal is of like maybe going somewhere on the weekends or doing something on the weekends. It's like, oh, it's okay to not work on the weekends. <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> so right. yeah, mm-hmm.
0: it, it can be, it can be hard to shift that mindset for sure. Yeah, and you, you, mm-hmm. you just don't even realize that it's just, it is absolutely necessary it's like we have weekends for re- for a reason right? we have deloads mm-hmm. for a reason it's like we need yeah, right. we need that rest and recovery but if we can mm-hmm. just be so stubborn and especially if it's produced results in the past too it's just like yeah well, I'm going to keep doing this but then it eventually leads to burnout and all those other all those other good fun stuff yeah. uh <laughs> but i think what what people may what i'm i'm curious about what other people may be curious about listening to you is just like it sounds like you get shit done and then you have the, you have the PhD, you seem like you're a very ambitious person, uh, uh, going after things that you want. It's just like, if, if somebody was wanting to, uh, maybe do something like this with their own life, um, I don't want to get like too heady, but like, what about on the day-to-day stuff? Like whenever you had this goal, uh, this, this, this big goal and things like what, what were some more of your and this may be this, some of the same daily actions you take today and some of the routines that you built in today? Like what are some of the, the non-negotiables maybe that you try and do each day to make sure uh, that the, the future is taken care of and also that you're enjoying yourself? On a daily basis. Mm,
1: yeah, those are good questions. So and I'm thinking back through like my PhD, because that's like a really definitely like you look at it, it's a long term goal, right? Like I spent four and a half years in this program, which honestly is fast for a PhD program. So um four and a half years in this program. So yeah, what is going through my mind on year one, year two, year three, that I still have this much more to go. Um, and I think too, just like on a daily basis, this is where just like health and fitness is so important and like realizing being dedicated to sort of like that healthy lifestyle type of situation, Um, things like sleep were also really important and just like taking care of yourself generally, like not necessarily even just like getting to the gym X amount of times a week or hitting your macros or whatever. Like I needed to make sure that I was still getting plenty of sleep and like understanding like what that does to my body. Also like my performance in the gym, like all this stuff is so, so interconnected. So I definitely still, that was always, always like top priority was just like taking care of like my own health and fitness and honestly was something that was fun for me too and allowed me to sort of have that like relief of like not always be in like school mode or coach mode or whatever that looks like um so that is just like on a day to day basis something really important and what's funny too is I just sent out an email to my email list I do what's called um research reflection and random every like other week or so so I talk about a specific study have them reflect on it and then just share something random Um, but the research I actually talked about was on sub goals so Sub goals is essentially this idea that when you have a long term goal, it's interesting because the different like goal setting stuff out there on social media and stuff like half of the people are saying like, always keep your long term goal in mind, like put put it on a sticky note and put it everywhere make it your phone background, things like that. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And then on the other hand, you get like, focus on the process, like step by step, those are what you need things you need to focus on, like don't always focus on the long term goal. So that's almost like, kind of conflicting messaging and what's interesting about the research on goal setting is it shows up the same way so we have some research that's like yes absolutely you've got to keep that long-term goal in mind like that's the best way to go about it we have other research that's like no you should focus on like these smaller goals sub goals along the way and that's the best way to go about it so like not only is social media and just like your day-to-day life conflicting but so is the research (laughs) Um, but most recently I think it was in 2017 or a study that was like, saw them like, okay, let's figure out what's going on here. Why is there like this discrepancy? Um, and what they found was that both kind of focuses do foci. Is that <laughs> like, <laughs> <next eye>? um, <laughs> both kind of ways of looking at things, we'll go with that um, are helpful. But what matters is the timing of them. So what this research found was that you should essentially focus on sub goals, like figure out, okay, here's my long-term like PhD goal, right? Like, okay, what's kind of like the big milestones between it, maybe focusing on like my comprehensive exams, my dissertation proposal, then my dissertation, like stuff like that, getting through like this next test or something like that. Um, That, those kinds of sub goals within the long-term goal are really helpful, like closer to the beginning of the goal pursuit. So that's when it's like most important as you can kind of like get closer to the end, the outcome goal that you're working towards. And it's like sort of see the light at the end of the tunnel type of thing. Then shifting your focus to that outcome goal, once you get a little bit closer is actually the more important thing to do. Mm, Interesting. Really interesting. And like you think about it, you're like, okay, that actually makes sense because it's a little bit more feasible and easier to just like wrap your head around once you get a little bit closer to it. Versus if you're on day one of your PhD program, and you're like thinking about your dissertation defense, that's like five years away, you know, that can feel very stressful and overwhelming. And like, hey, who knows, maybe that person is the one who drops out versus the person who's like, just going to focus on my next cognitive psychology exam. And that's all I got to focus on right now. Um, And then like, obviously, once you get a little bit closer, then it's like, okay, all I care about is that dissertation defense and that's all I'm, I'm, I'm gunning for it at this point. So really interesting research makes sense. It's and a lot of psychology is that way. It's like, Oh, duh, kind of thing. But Hey, now we have like the research and the stats to sort of back it up. But yeah, so I guess I kind of tossed some research into my answer there, but that was kind of something that I did practice myself. That was like a little bit of like, what's the next big milestone? Also like, what are the tiny to almost like sub, sub goals in between that versus always thinking like. Dissertation, 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 which is more of like the end goal kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, I love that. I think that's that's because it, it's it is kind of you you you. Whenever you hear that uh, articulated, it's kind of like oh, that's kind of common sense. Like that makes yeah. sense, right? Like that yeah. that's how I guess that's how it probably should be. Um, uh, I think then my next question coming off of that would be, uh, and one that I I had written down is uh, so I had uh, aligning actions with values uh, and just how because you can have that that long-term goal and then you can have the short-term goals and things like that but it's like what if the, what if the outcome goal is wrong in the first place like how do you how do you kind of filter out the the uh, the the outcome goals that you thought you wanted and then maybe changing your mind while you're on the journey to getting that outcome goal like do you do that often and then how like or or how do you choose the values in the first place and is that a constantly refinement process or you do kind of pick one and you're like i think this is right tunnel vision and then kind of maybe adjust as needed does that if that makes sense
1: yeah it does and it's a really really good question i think for <laughs> myself personally I have more so of like a stubbornness issue where I'm like, if I'm going to like this whole thing with the PhD, right. Where I was literally not sure even up until the very end, once I had the PhD, if I should have even gotten it in the first place, Uh but I did it anyway. You know, it was like, I set out to do this thing. Like, uh, there's no way in hell I'm giving up. Like I'm going to get it kind of thing. So I definitely have a little bit like whether or not it aligns with like my values or priorities, which the problem was at that, that time, I didn't really know what that actually, that jo- and job or whatever really looks like and what my true like dream job would be, especially when I, the dream job I thought I wanted ended up, you know, just like giving me the runaround and was like, this is bullshit kind of thing. So, yes. um, yeah. So I think for me, I'll like see something and I do have like some like pretty lofty goals, both business and personal for like next year. And I'm already thinking like, should I have like committed to this, like in my own mind already, but it's like, you know what, whatever, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. We'll see what happens. And I think also seeing it as to, of course, if it's something that ends up being like detrimental or really puts you off track to like what your long, long, long long-term goals are, what you're really wanting to do with your life then Yes. Like maybe stop and readjust and realize, okay, it's not for me. I'm not into it. Maybe there's something else that is a better strategy for me at this point, too. And I think all of this does kind of come back to mindset in general, which I feel like everything does. I'm, of course, biased, but but just how you kind of see all of these things and whether or not like is it does it come down to like, I don't feel like I'm cut out for it, so I shouldn't do it or so that's more like a fixed mindset, or is it more so like this truly isn't serving me, there's something better out there. And that would be more of like a growth mindset sort of vision. And as you can see, which one is like really going to get you to where you want to go, whether or not you really truly know what that is, like most likely that growth sort of perspective. So I guess like to answer your question, I'm pretty stubborn when it comes to like, hey, I'm going to do this thing. Like even if it's like, maybe not the best thing for me to do, or like whatever, I'm very confident that, things will still work out the way they need to, or I'll figure out what I can do then type of deal. Um, But I do think in general, like you should also be self-aware enough that if you're on the wrong path and it's just like not serving you whatsoever, like you can see what maybe the real outcome is that you want to. And maybe you're in that PhD program and you're like, Oh my god like I really don't think this is right. I should be in like this other masters program. Like that's where I really want to be. Then like of course don't just get the PhD at that point. Like stop what you're doing and go after that other thing. But if it is more a little bit like me where I was like I don't really know if this is going to serve what I want to do because I don't know what I want to do fully then Still, like, stick with it because, I mean, especially when it comes to education, like, it's never really going to, like, hurt you. Um, And the benefits of PhDs, too, is for the most part, if you're in a good program, they're paid for and you're just, like, doing – you're a TA or a research assistant or – In my case, I was an academic advisor to get my tuition paid for. So um, then it was like that was always my fallback, right? Like, oh, I'm not paying for it. It's not really. I'm not going to go into debt doing something that I maybe shouldn't have done. So that was that was also helpful. Risk analysis,
0: Um, risk mitigation. There it is again.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I guess I don't know. Did that answer your question? Yes.
0: Yeah. Because here's the thing. I don't even like fully remember what my full question was in the first place. So that that
1: I answered it exactly the way I should. That answer
0: worked. Just just fine. Uh, Yeah. And then so the one of the questions, because I know we've got about 15 minutes left, but one of the questions I I was I was thinking of and that I like to to ask people as well and kind of segues nicely to what you were just talking about is like, what are you excited for, for the future? Uh, like, cause I think that there can be so many, uh, so much negative talk and things going on in, in the, in the news or on social media or whatever. I love hearing what people are excited about either with their business or just like, it could be, you know, going out with friends next weekend or, or whenever Corona lifts, like going traveling somewhere or something like that. Um, so, so yeah, what, what is kind of, uh, what's, what's kind of exciting you for, for the future to come?
1: Hmm. Yeah. A couple of things for sure. So next year business wise, I know I kind of like alluded to a book. I did kind of put myself on the hook with my business coach. We had like a a meeting, like a group coaching meeting with all of her gals. And I was like, what's your big, scary goal? What's something that you've always kind of been wanting to do? And I, fun fact, I used to write like fiction novels when I was in like middle school and high school I never fully finished one but I would get like pages and pages into this like story I've always really enjoyed writing um I do still write for like Legion's website I'm on their scientific review board I write obviously long Instagram captions (laughs) um but would really like to like turn this into something and um, my business goes, which just essentially like, okay, that's your thing. And I was like, oh God, I'm writing a book. Okay. So apparently guys, I'm writing a book next year. <laughs> we'll see how, how that actually ends up going, but it is something kind of one of like do before you die type of things. It's always been in the back of my mind. So I'm um, excited to potentially, okay, yes, do that. Um, and then I have some group, programs coming out. Um, I don't have an official date yet. So I'm not going to say that. But Project Amplify, I actually just announced this week, is sort of like the health mindset coaching certification version for like sort of gen pop folks. So you don't have to be a health and fitness coach. You don't have to be in the health and fitness space as like a career. It's more so like if you want to learn about your own mindset, and find like tools to help you through that. It as it pertains to health and fitness and overall like self-care and lifestyle goals, it's sort of like a mentorship program four months long for folks who are interested in that stuff. So that is on sort of the docket for 2021 along with that book. Um, And as far as like sort of personal life goes, like post COVID if there is such a thing, um, I am hoping to get to Bermuda. I have a handful of friends who live there. It's a place that's like very special to me, and I didn't get to go this year because of that. Bermuda, and I'm typically.
0: Bermuda? Wait, wait, where is this?
1: Where is it? Oh, it's, it's so it's like off the coast of North Carolina, which is funny because I'm in North Carolina. Unfortunately, oh. there are no. Flights from Raleigh to Bermuda because it would truly be like an hour long flight. You have to go up to JFK or down to Atlanta, but it's not far away. So it is, it's one of those sort of like Caribbean islands, but stays a little bit cooler. So, like in December, it's like 60 degrees. Like you're not going to go snorkeling and stuff like that. No Mexico for Christmas type of vibe. So, um, but I have a couple of friends who live there. It's a very like special place for me. I like, not accidentally, essentially, like got left with my ex-boyfriend on going to on this trip originally by myself, um, was like, screw it. I'm going to go by myself, whatever. Um, met some really good friends, still friends with them to this day and have continued to go back since multiple times. So excited to go back there, hopefully. Um, and everything's just gonna be travel related because that's like kind of what I like to do (laughs) in my free time. But Sam and I, Sam and I do have tickets to go to South Africa at the end of February. Ooh. that happens it's a pretty long haul especially given the state of our world so I know I know the lady the Delta lady on the phone was like I, I'm not supposed to tell you not to do this but I was like <laughs> whatever. <laughs>
0: so yeah hey hey have you heard of the pandemic that's going on i don't think it's going to happen (laughs) i know (laughs) so she wanted to say no that's exactly that's that's so exciting though i've always wanted to go to i've I've, yeah i've always wanted to go like do you have any uh are you going where are you thinking of going like I'm thinking like safari and stuff like that. I guess that's, that's biased. Whenever I think about Africa, I'm just like, you're going to go see a bunch of animals and stuff, right?
1: (laughs) And They do. They have like, it's cool because they have like penguins and also like great white sharks. It's like a really cool, like wildlife experience. But South, where we're going in South Africa is a little bit more. It's not like you could go out and do the safari thing, but we're going to like Cape Town, which is very, it's much, much more like a, a larger city type of situation. I have been to like, more rural areas of like Kenya and did the whole safari thing before, so it's it's not going to be that, It probably will be a little bit more like yes, there's like restaurants walking. To well, wait, wait, like wait, wait.
0: Do you do you recommend the the safari stuff? Be honest, absolutely. I want to know. Absolutely. Okay, oh my you gosh, loved it?
1: Absolutely. Yes, yes. We went with uh, like a tour group and actually went went out out. Like we flew into oh my gosh, Nairobi. I was like I'm blanking on the name of. um, the the capital of Kenya but we flew into Nairobi and that's like a big city but then stayed a night there and then we took essentially it was like a group of us and we were in like literal like safari vehicles and drove I don't know like four hours out until quite literal middle of nowhere Africa stayed in like really there was like fancy tents was sort of like the whole glamping (laughs) experience But we did that at like four or five different places and saw every like safari type of animal you could think of. It was it was very, very cool. So yeah, I would recommend a hundred times over.
0: That's exciting because that's some, yeah. that's that's somewhere that I definitely I, I would I would love to just yeah I want to do the the whole clamping thing as well I've seen <laughs> yeah. you know YouTube videos whatever it's just it's something that looks very uh just seeing those those animals just out in the wild it just sounds majestic no. sounds majestic know. you know it, what I'm saying it,
1: it feels so crazy to be like and like have the ele- elephants like ten feet away from you and then they start like stomping their feet and the guy who's driving the car is like okay that means we have to go and I was like what <laughs> did you like did that- you have
0: the cage or no you, were you no, in a cage
1: no oh. it's like literally almost like a like a jeep like if you think right. about like a safari jeep i'm like thinking of like the wild thornberries you know like the cars that they <laughs> <laughs> drive around that's essentially what we were in so yeah no not a lot of protection <laughs>
0: so. nigel with you yeah yes, that's a,
1: exactly
0: what was the, <laughs> the other dotty was that the little crazy one? Oh my gosh something cannot- like that
1: yeah, uh, something like that. The and
0: I'm, I'm twenty-six, so I'm so I'm funny. very familiar with the wild thorn berries. Love um, it. Yes. That is that's so great. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. We're <laughs> we're getting close here. I think the the one of the last another fun question I'd like to ask people is if you could have any skill set, if you could have any you could be six feet tall, you could be seven feet tall, you could have an amazing singing voice, you could be an amazing dancer, you could be super fast, uh, you could be the best speaker in the world. Um if you could have any uh, any type of skill set and you could choose any other career than the career that you're doing now, what would that career be?
1: Oh my goodness. I have no clue. That is really Okay, hard. well hold on. <laughs> I'll give you some time to think
0: and then so mine mine would just be like a stand-up comedian, like a famous mm-hmm. stand-up comedian there you because go. it's just yeah. I, I'm up on stage, I'm making people laugh. I get to tour around with friends and literally just, you know, have fun, laugh. Uh, you can do podcasts, you can podcast with, fr- I'm just, I'm thinking of like the typical male, white male, like Joe Rogan aspect and like having, having other podcast comedian friends and things. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I would do. That would be my other, uh, uh famous okay. career. Yeah.
1: Okay. I like that. Um, I think that like thinking about the whole like going off of like the writing thing, right? I really enjoy writing. Obviously a lot of different pieces of my job include writing, but it's not like sit down and like your job is to write books. I do think that it would, and I feel like my writing skills are are pretty decent, but to have just like JK Rowling type of like writing skills or just like that sort of thing. um, I really like um, like Jen Sincero. She does the You Are a Badass books. Like I love her books. Yeah, she's great. Like to have that sort of like ability to, just like sit down and write, and also touch so many people, and that be sort of like you're so good that this can make you millions of dollars. Essentially, like I feel like that's that's the direction I would want to go for sure. Yeah, like <laughs> just
0: that. Like like I, you know what I have I have weird fantasies of that as well. Just like the just literally just like the cabin in the woods. There's no Wi-Fi. There's right. no internet. I've got the, I've got <laughs> the typewriter. I've got a dog and a cat. Well, you know whatever. There's just the, There's the the fire crackling over in the distance. Right, yeah. The the, the wind you is. The wind is rustling up against the the window and there's a kerosene oil lamp right there hanging. I've just, I've got it all imagined. I'm just, I'm sitting yep. there and I'm just creating magic. And then I, right. I, I work all all year or two years on this book and then I put it out and then and millions of people buy it. And I'm just like, yep. I'm set.
1: There it is. Yeah. And for it to come like so fluidly and so easily too, just like you just sit down and it just comes to you. Yeah. Flow exactly. state that, instantly. that would be, I would, yeah, that's where I would want to be. <laughs> <laughs> I love it.
0: I love it so much, uh, Casey. This has been wonderful. Where, uh, where, where can people find out more about you and, and the stuff that you offer?
1: Yeah, I spend most of my time on Instagram. Um, I'm at coach Casey Joe on there. Um, I've tried to dabble in like the TikTok scene and stuff, but I thought it was like getting banned at this point too. Like not really <laughs> yeah. sure what's going on there. But yeah, don't even try to look for me on TikTok. It's not worth it. I'm <laughs> trying to try to get into the real scene now sure. that that's over on Instagram now. Um, but yeah, spend most of my time there. If you want to learn more about the different programs and offerings in that apparent book when that comes out, um, you can go to www.kjocoaching.com. And all of that information is kind of there for you. If you do want to kind of direct reach out to me directly, DM on Instagram is fine. Or if you want to email me, a little bit old school there. I'm Casey at KGO Coaching. So pretty pretty simple.
0: Perfect. I will put all of those in the uh, all those links in the description. Uh, whenever the book comes out, I can't wait to do this again so we can promote the <laughs> amazing the amazing book <laughs> that you have been spending all your time on. Um, yep. No, that's that's exciting stuff, and I and I'm I'm super happy for you for the the full year the uh, full time. Um, that's that's very exciting, and and I think the work that you put out is is wonderful. So yeah. Thank you so much for for the work you put out and then also for, for coming on today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much.
0: And that is that, my friends. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the More Than Fitness podcast. And please, if you could help me out a little bit here and leave a rate and review in iTunes and also take a screenshot and post it up on your IG story tag me at mattmccloud 6 I'd love to share it, I'd love to connect with you, I'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast and also so that we can share the word with other people. I would love to build up this community, build up this tribe of people that we have, like you and I, uh, and get the word out there. Uh, also, if you want more free content, you can check the links in the description. I have my free four-week workout plan, The Ultimate Physique Development, and also if you want to work with me online, one-on-one for personal coaching. You can check the link in the description as well. Uh, And anything else you need, please send me an email, send me a DM. I would love to hear from you. Again, thank you so much for listening.